Hello and thank you for joining us once again for another episode of the Play Sheet Podcast. I'm back. He's back. I hope you all enjoyed your uh, lovely walk down memory lane in the history of the NFL last week. I certainly learned a few things, Joe, so thank you very much for that indeed. It's a pleasure not having to talk over you, Chaz. <laughs> and I mean, the really exciting thing for me is how close we are getting to the beginning of the season now. I'm starting to get a little bit excited. I just hope they don't take it away from us. But look, no COVID cases in the NFL yesterday. Everyone's clean. So if they can keep this up, we're on. Yeah, no thanks to a couple of uh, unhelpful false positives. Oh, ridiculous. Like, if if we're going to get the season started, they need to sort it out pretty quickly. Uh, it was about, Big what, time. seven or eight teams that had quite a few false positives. Not good at all. But it was a false alarm. Everyone's clean. Let's keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe, why don't you intro us into what we're going to be talking about this week and then going on into next week? Sure. So um, two weeks to go until the season starts. So at this stage of the season, I think now's a great time to do a little bit of previewing. We're not going to bore you with previews of every single team. If you want to read about certain teams or read about certain divisions, there's plenty of stuff out there. We're going to talk through some awards, what we think some teams are going to do, what we think some players are going to do. We're going to keep it fast. We're going to keep it snappy. And in this episode, we're going to pin our colors to the wall. So this week, we're going to go through the AFC. And I'm going to start with you, Chaz. Who do you think is going to win the AFC North? Go. I mean, I cannot look beyond the Ravens, to be quite honest. I mean, in there, you've got the Browns, the Steelers, the Bengals. Obviously, the Bengals have picked up Burrow in the draft. You know, nice new young quarterback who looks really, really good. But there's a lot of problems there at the Bengals, and they're not going to fix that with one shiny new quarterback. Steelers, their defense looks really solid. Big Ben, if he can stay injury-free, we might be able to see something from him. But I wouldn't have thought enough to, uh, to overtake the Ravens. And then, of course, you've got the Browns, the forever forlorn Browns who promise us every year a sparkle of something and deliver absolutely nothing. I'm still kind of keeping my fingers crossed that they will be more competitive this season. But for me, I think the Ravens walk away with this one. Yeah, this is probably a bad one to start on, really, because I want to disagree with you as much as possible. But I've got to say, I think it will be the Ravens. <laughs> You'd struggle to disagree on that point. I think we'd struggle to uh, disagree on this one. This is one of the clearer cut divisions. That said, now the Ravens will probably come last, but now that we've both said it. But look, <laughs> I think the Ravens will win. I said this a few weeks ago. They're not going to win 14-2. I think 10-6. I think the Steelers are going to push them close. And I can almost see this being split, perhaps, by wins against if Ravens beat the Steelers and they both finish on 10-6 something like that the Steelers were 8-8 last year they've got Big Ben back and they've strengthened in the right areas they've picked up some great players in the draft Chase Claypool Deontay Johnson they're going to be a more effective team this year they're going to be better than 8-8 they could well be 10-6 as well it's going to be close between those two teams but I think probably the Ravens and like you say I think the other two teams are going to be too far back Bengals at 214. They'll progress under Burrow, I believe. And, you know, they've picked up some decent pieces. But um, if they get more than five wins, it'll be a successful season for them. Yeah, completely agree on the Bengals. I am still of the opinion, I think the Browns might outperform the Steelers, but I'm always overly optimistic about the Browns every single season. It's because you've got Baker Mayfield in your fantasy. It's because I've got Baker Mayfield, I've got Hooper, I've got Jarvis Landry, the list goes on. It's getting ridiculous. 
I think that the Browns will do better. And I think for the players and personnel they've got there, I think Kevin Stefanski is the right fit. I mean, the schemes he brought in when he was the offensive coordinator at the Vikings, bringing in those two tight end sets, focusing on the running game. I mean, look, you look at the players that the Browns have got, yeah, they've got some great wide receivers, but they're stacked at running back and tight end. And if they make the most out of those players, they could definitely be having a lot of fun there. So look, I think the Browns will do well. I think really... More I'm kind of talking myself into it now. I think this is going to be a competitive division here. And take away the Bengals and the Browns, I think, when it goes right for them, they could beat the Ravens. They're like That might sound ridiculous, but I think that the Browns are a side who could beat the Ravens. The Ravens, I think, have weakened. I think that what they were so strong on last year, their defense, they've lost Michael Pierce. They've lost Earl Thomas now. So they've had some big losses there. Ravens probably still have just enough, but it's going to be closer. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I don't predict that the Ravens are going to have quite a dramatic drop as you think they are. Well, look, they've lost Earl Thomas. They've lost Michael Pierce, who was their main nose tackle last year. So you've lost pressure on the line. I think Pierce is a big loss for them, a very big loss. But I think, as you know, you've made the argument many times before, free safety, is it that much of a loss? Especially if, as the rumours suggest, he was an absolute cancer in the locker room. And I think that who's their free safety backup? I think they're quite hopeful of him. Uh, they're hopeful of him, but I mean, he's he's so underexperienced. Like, I've made the case lots of times before that a safety doesn't win you a Super Bowl. Mm. But when you're going from a Pro Bowl safety to a guy who's started three games, that's a big downgrade. Don't get me wrong, it's not enough of a downgrade to make a good team bad. But you combine that with the other losses that I've had in the defense. And look... There's a direction they're taking. They've gone from 2019 to 2020 and the defence has gone in a downwards direction. That's all I'm saying there. So I don't think they're a 14-2 side. I think they're a 10-6 side. Right. On to the next division then. We've got the AFC East. So you've got the Pats, the Bills, the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah, I had to think about this one really. And I'm going to say, look, I thought about saying the Bills. I thought, mm, you know, the Bills have improved in the right areas, but no. Never write off the Patriots. And until the Patriots don't win, I'm not going to write them off. Patriots win. Joe, I thought you wanted to uh, disagree with me. What's going on here? (laughs) You're not saying the Patriots as well? I am. I went through the exact same process as you. I thought about the Bills. They're the kind of in vogue team right now. But I just thought, look, with Bill Belichick running it, yeah, they've lost a lot of players on defense, but he knows how to run a team. He, He has made very average players produce phenomenal performances he would just go down the grocery store go to the cashier (laughs) ask him what he played in high school and have him in the next year's pro bowl that's what belichick does yeah so So i'm with you i'm not i just wouldn't write them off yet and look cam if he remains healthy he's no joke of a quarterback so obviously yes downgrade to brady but they'll still push they'll still be competitive and for me i think Potentially, I'd still have the Pats above the Bills. I mean, the Jets and the Dolphins, I'm just writing off completely. Well, look, I don't want to be too harsh on the Jets, right? The Jets, 7-9 and nine last season. So, you know, they didn't have an atrocious record. Admittedly, they got to play the Dolphins twice. But, you know, a 7-9 season, their offence is getting rejigged. They're looking at more ways to get Bell involved. They're looking at more ways to get Crowder involved. With the pieces they have, if they make the most of them, who knows, maybe they can squeak to 9-7. They're not going to win, but they're going to be competitive, I think, which is the best you can really hope for if you're a New York Jets fan. 
Dolphins, I think 5-11 flattered them last year when you think about how badly they started the season. I don't think that Tua is a plug-in-and-play starter. I think his accuracy is too far off to make him an NFL star at this stage. They're going to run with Fitz for the first few games, and then we'll see. But look, I don't think that Tua is the magic bullet that a lot of Dolphins fans are hoping that he's going to be. Do you think that's the feeling within the Dolphins camp? Because I kind of feel that most people feel that he's not going to be the, the person that can step in and play right away. And even the noises from Camper supporting that, you know, they're saying there's no guarantee that he's he's getting the number one spot. I mean, obviously, that's that's a bit of bluster just to try and keep him focused. But He's not going to be the starter on no, no week way. one. No way. Um, and I think that from a fan's kind of perspective, when your team kind of drafts a quarterback in, you know, the top five picks, you expect him to almost be a difference maker straight away. The type of play that Tua is, he's very, very raw. He reminds me in many ways of Josh Allen when Josh Allen first came in, like his accuracy has always been terrible. It's been terrible in the National Football League, but in college it was pretty bad as well. I think he left college with an accuracy of something like 58%. And Tua's, his his stats are probably slightly better, but you see some of the passes that he throws and they're a long way off. And I mean, in college he was getting punished, but he'd get punished far worse in the National Football League for that kind of stuff. I mean, safeties and corners will eat those up all day. So if they throw him in too early, I mean, he could get absolutely ruined. I think the first time that Fitz has a bad game, They'll switch him over, and I think that'll be a mistake because the way Fitz plays, he runs hot, I mean, he runs very cold. So we'll probably see Tua sooner rather than later, but in my eyes, it'll be a bad idea to start him too soon. I feel like we've almost been spoiled recently, though, in terms of young quarterbacks getting a chance very, very early on. It seems to be quite a modern trend that if you draft them high, let's get them playing straight away, whereas previously it used to be let them learn, let them take a couple of seasons to get a feel for the NFL before you put them in. I mean, obviously you had the success of Mahomes, but then you've had a lot of bad stories. I would say Mayfield has been an example of putting a quarterback in too early. And I think too many people have tried to replicate the success of players like Mahomes, like Jackson, when they came in early and started straight away. I think an even better example really would be someone like Josh Rosen. I mean, he was selected, I think, what, 10th in the 2018 draft? And he was probably the best pure passer out of all those four quarterbacks who went early when you had like Darnold, Allen, Mayfield. Rosen was probably the best passer in college. And I mean, you look where he is now and he's fighting for a backup spot. His career just hasn't gone where it perhaps could have gone maybe if he was looked after a little bit better. Don't get me wrong, you can't just blame the coaches for throwing players in. It's a not-for-long league. You've got to basically be ready to act as soon as you're there. But he perhaps could have been handled better and he may have achieved more had he been handled better. Donald got involved so early, he started seeing ghosts. The first pass that Donald threw, if I remember correctly, was an interception. Like, I think the very first pass he threw in the National Football League was an interception. And then he came back and he had a few kind of decent games. But the Jets there, I guess there's, you know, there's patience there. They're not going to dump him off straight away. But they are expecting progression now. So with Donald, it will be an important season. And he's got to stop seeing ghosts. But, you know, that's as much on his O-line and his wide receivers to get open. Right, okay, so next on the list, where are we going, Joe? AFC West? AFC West, yeah. This is <laughs> this is an obvious one, really, isn't it? I think I'd be stupid to not say the Kansas City Chiefs. You're going to agree with me, aren't you? Of course I am. You can't, you can't pass on the reigning champs. We're going to need some listeners to uh, write into the show and disagree with us on something here. because Give us some hot takes. 
give us some hot takes because I want to disagree with Charles as much as I can. But so far, I'm a three division winners. I've not been able to separate myself from him once. Kansas City Chiefs, look, they're just better. They're just better. The Denver Broncos, I think, will be their main competition. I think that the Broncos have a set of receivers now who are looking pretty tasty. I think if Drew Locke progresses, and I mean, for someone who's such a good quarterback, John Elway, as a general manager, doesn't have a great track record of progressing his quarterbacks. But if Drew Locke does make that next step and progress, I think the Denver Broncos can be an interesting proposition, and I certainly wouldn't put them past a wildcard spot. But the Chargers are in rebuild. Uh, the Raiders... I just see the Raiders as an average team right now. I don't see them as a bad team. They were 7-9 last year, and I think that's about where they are again this year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think they have the potential to surprise, but I'm not expecting it. I think the Chargers, again, maybe have the potential. I think they drafted quite well. We've got a bit of a situation in the West, as we do in the North, in which I think Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, they're not going to topple the Chiefs, but I think they could be potentially quite competitive amongst themselves. Yeah, I don't think there's a massive dud team in there. I think the Chargers O is rebuilding after they've lost Rivers. They'll be working things out, but their defence is pretty good. And with Melvin Ingram coming back, uh, they'll be a very effective unit. There's no weak side there. Chiefs, though, I think are far and away the best side in that division easily. I'd put it this way, I'd be shocked if the Chiefs don't win that. Yeah, I think we all would. So then that leaves us with the AFC South. And shall I say my piece to give you an opportunity to disagree? Who you got? I am going Titans. Yes, we can disagree on one. Here we go. Here we go. Strap yourselves in. I'm going Colts. I think that'd be sacrilege for how much I've talked up the Colts <laughs> in previous shows to not go with the Colts. But go on there and say why you think it's going to be the Titans. Yeah, I don't hate the Colts pick at all. I think we've both discussed that we think they're going to be sneaky good and I think they're going to be probably clear second place in this division. For me, I think they're probably going to end up with a wild card spot. But the Titans, whilst I don't expect them to be as successful as they were last season, I still think they're going to be successful enough. I mean, they took out the Patriots last season. They got incredibly far and they've not really lost on too many pieces that I see a regression on. I don't think Henry is going to be as proficient as he was this season, but I still don't think the drop-off is going to be that dramatic. You kind of preempted my bit there because the reason I don't think the Titans are going to win this year is because I think that last season, the key players who got them to where they got were playing at their high watermark. I think the performance we saw from Tannehill, the performance we saw from Henry, were the best that those guys are going to play. And that's no disrespect to them at all. They played very, very well. But I mean, Tannehill's been in the league for quite a long time and his stat line was off the chart. That was an anomaly for him last year. Equally, Henry, you look in fantasy drafts and that kind of stuff and he's going first round, sometimes even first five picks. Henry is an extremely limited player. He can't catch the ball. He's a great power runner. Don't get me wrong. He's a very good power back. I, I feel that I say this every single week, but he's not a great running back. And if you come up across D-lines who are capable of making a tackle, are capable of stopping him, you can stop him. You can stop him. And he's not enough of a game changer to be dynamic enough to bring too much else. If you see Henry lining up against you and you can cover the, the main wide receiver, who's AJ Brown, if you've got that covered, then you've basically mitigated everything that they're going to do. I think the Titans played very well last year. They deserve to get to where they got to, but there's going to be regression. And I think that they've made bad mistakes in terms of the size of the contracts that they've given to some players. I think the Titans are going to come third. 
I think that the Colts are going to win. I think the Houston Texans are going to take a step back, but they still have a talent in that side to challenge for the division. And uh, and then the Titans are going to come third. And then the Jaguars are going to be the whipping boys. Yeah, well, fair enough. I think Titans first, Colts second, Texans, then Jags. I think that you have a very interesting situation with the Colts right now where they were good last year. They were a good 7-9. That sounds stupid when they had a losing team, but they were a good 7-9 that showed flashes of being capable. Yeah, and I mean, look at where they've come from. They lost luck for nothing. And they're already back here again. Yeah, so they lost their quarterback in the preseason during a preseason game. He, he like quit halfway through a preseason game. And they managed to build a 7-9 season off those kind of ruins. You're now dropping Philip Rivers, who is... I think you could definitely make the case that he's arguably the best quarterback to have not gone to a Super Bowl in the last 20 years. You could argue that he's the best quarterback of the 2004 class that had Roethlisberger and Eli Manning in. He's an extremely, extremely good quarterback. And he's not got much time left at all. He's got great new young rookie wide receivers to play with. He's got guys like Michael Pittman Jr. They've got good new running backs as well. They've bolstered their defense with DeForest Buckner. I think that in lots of places, the Colts have improved. I'm a little bit shaky on their secondary. But aside from that, very, very, very good team. And, you know, again, it's going to be competitive. You've got the whipping team in the Jaguars. You could make a case at any of those top three teams there. But I think the Colts, and I think the Colts could go 11-5. Wow, that's that's a big prediction. So I'm going to make it Colts 11-5. You heard it here first. <laughs> okay, then. So we've picked the winners of the divisions there. Um, unfortunately, we agree on three of them, but we differ on one. Of those four teams, or maybe not those four teams, maybe a wildcard team would do it. Who do you think of those teams are going to be playing the championship game two weeks from the end of the season? I think the Chiefs are definitely there. Yeah, fine. Give you that. And then, I mean, provided that they don't match up earlier in the competition, I would have thought the Ravens are probably the next best team next to them. Cool. So I'm going to say that I think the championship game is going to be Chiefs-Colts. Colt, oh, you are back in the Colts big time this podcast, aren't you? I'm back in the Colts big time because... I'd say I don't have faith in this Ravens team. And I've talked about players at high water. Don't be wrong. Lamar Jackson had a great season. But I think that was a high point. I don't think that he's a bad player at all. I don't think he's going to regress loads. But I think that he's not going to have a season as strong as the season last year. Because defences have to adjust to account for him now. And he caught a lot of teams on the cold. So I think that teams are going to be more wary of him. He's got to take a backward step. And that's not on him. It's just other teams adjusting. So I don't think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be as strong as they were last year. I think that the Patriots, like I said, I think they're going to squeak the AFC East. But they've obviously lost a lot of players. They're not the side that they were. I'm not writing them off whatsoever. I'm still saying they're going to win the AFC East. But look, I think the two best teams in the AFC are going to be the Colts and the Chiefs come January. But I'm going to say that the Chiefs are going to win it. I think that the Chiefs are on the cusp of a dynasty here. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs go back to back and win Super Bowl again. Excellent. Okay, then. So hopefully one we're going to disagree on again. Worst team in the AFC. Hit me. I'm going Jags. You're going Jags? I am going Jags. I mean, I feel like there are some easy pickings there, potentially with Dolphins or Bengals. But I just think I don't 
even see any spark of talent in the Jags. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like, here's a uh, someone that if they perform incredibly, they can drag them out of their situation. I know there's Mustachio Minshew, but I just, I don't see it. I, I, I think they're a team in complete disarray and I, I just can't see them putting together much of a of a season. Okay, I can see that. And it, there's definitely a case there for the Jags. I think the Dolphins are going to be the worst team. I think that, like I said, I think they're going to throw Tua in too early and I think it's going to be a car crash. You know, it's always nice to be proved wrong on this, but I think that in their heads, they're thinking they're going to throw him in and he's going to be Lamar Jackson. And I just don't, I just don't see it. Do you know what? I think if they do that, I'd agree with you. I don't know why. There's a part of me that thinks that they might not rush him in. Because what are they rushing him in for? You know, they know what they are as a team. They know what they did They're going to rush him in because they're going to lose. Because they're going to lose. Yeah, but they're okay with losing. Well, no, no, no. Because now there's this expectation because they've got two of it. What? Because they've got two of it. That's not enough. So every game that they lose, put in two of it put into her, fans put into her, put into her. That's what happens when you've got a top five pick sitting on your bench. The pressure just builds up when you lose. And there's just, I don't see any talent in this team whatsoever. No, I agree. But that's why I'm thinking they'll hold him out a bit. There's just too much temptation when coaches are losing, when coaches are looking at their kind of futures and they realise they have to change something quickly to, you know, get contract extensions and all that kind of thing. I think it's just too much temptation. So do you think he'll be brought in in the first half of the season? Yeah, I do. I do. Like I said, they're not going to start with him, but I can see him being in normally fits, normally tanks after about three games. So I can see two are going in game three or game four. That early? Yeah. Okay. See, my expectation is that they'll bring him in about halfway through the season. And then I think if they do that, I, I think the Jags will be worse than the Dolphins. I don't think that they'll be able to keep him on the bench for half season because I think they'll, they'll be losing so bad, there'll be so much pressure to bring him in. Well, let's see. And I don't hate the Jags that much. I think that Minshew is, he's getting a lot of hate. He's been ranked bottom of a lot of kind of pundits and experts. Yeah, I think that's a bit unfair. I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the league. No, he's not the worst quarterback at all. He shows some real good flashes with limited cast. He's got a couple of decent wide receivers. I mean, DJ Shark is definitely no slouch. There's a bit of talent there. I mean, Leonard Fournette is playing in a contract year now, basically. He's not going to get his fifth-year extension, so he's playing for his future. We could definitely see a vicious, aggressive, effective Leonard Fournette play in. They've lost pieces of their defence over the last few years, admittedly. And so the defence is definitely not what it was two or three years ago. I don't think they'll be atrocious. I think the Jags are a four or five win team this year, whereas I can see the Dolphins being a two win team. So we've done the teams. A little less contentious than I was thinking it was going to be or hoping it was going to be. So let's go players. Quarterback. What quarterback is going to throw the most yards in the AFC in 2020? You're going to get your contentious here, Joe. I thought about Philip Rivers. He seemed the obvious choice. He chucked a boatload last season. Don't ruin my pick, mate. I'm not. Trust me, there's no way you've picked this person. There's absolutely zero chance. This is as hot takey as it gets. I was looking for a team that is going to need to throw, right? like yardage all the time because they're not going to be involved too much in the running game. And then I looked at other areas such as wide receivers, who are their targets, who are they throwing to. 
I think Drew Locke had a really good end to the season. He he seemed to kind of grow with confidence as the season developed. I mean, I think the Broncos had something like three quarterbacks last season even. So he only played a, a part of the season. Who he has throwing to now, there are some really good deep threat options. But And he's got, you know, some fantastic rookie receivers to be thrown to as well. So I think there's a lot of options out there. I think the only thing that could potentially prevent Drew Locke getting a lot of yardage is the O-line. They're really struggling in the tackle position. And I think if they can't protect him, he's not going to be able to get the ball out from the pocket. So that would be my only kind of reservation. I know it's very hot takey, but I had to go there. I think it's a mixture of being hot takey and not hot takey. You look at his wide receivers and he's got a really, really exciting unit there. I mean, Cortland yeah. Sutton was definitely showing flashes of brilliance last year and there's big kind of expectations there. Sutton is a great deep threat. When he's found, he can really rip yardage. But then so's Deshaun Hamilton and KJ Hamler, who they drafted. And then you've got Jerry Judy in there as a more yeah. kind of possession receiver. So don't get me wrong, he's got weapons. It's early days with there being so many kind of rookies there, but you could definitely make a case that he's got one of the strongest wide receiver rooms in the league. What I question, though, is Drew Locke. Basically, since Peyton Manning kind of came in and went, they've not managed to really sort out the quarterback position there at all. And it's been a kind of constant form for them over the last few years. As well as that, like you say, Garrett Bowles has been a disappointment since he's been in the league. The offensive line is not elite by any means. It's mid-table at best. So there's definitely things that are working against them there. You say about their running backs, but I mean, look, they've got Melvin Gordon, they've got Philip Lindsay, and they've still got Royce Freeman there as well. So it's not like they're undercooked at running back. I'm not going to say there's no questions there, but... No, but I think that's important because if they were terrible, then people stop defending the run and they just double team on wide receivers. So I think it's important there needs to be some form of threat there. Yeah, but like, look, I don't see them being behind in games too much. Like, I mean, you look at their kind of free fourth space, you've still got Von Miller in there, Jarrell Casey's there, Bradley Charbot linebacker. You've got AJ Bouet coming in from a Jaguars at cornerback now, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson in safeties. We use the term a lot, but their defence is sneaky good. This is starting to look like a kind of good Broncos D. So I don't see them being massively behind in games and having to chase things. I think that this defence could perhaps surprise a lot of people and be pretty effective. You know, you made a solid case there, but I think Philip Rivers is going to be the quarterback with the most yards. The important thing to know is that Elijah Wilkinson is not very good at pass blocking. Then the other side of him is Garrett Bowles, who was very inconsistent as well. So that's the area that is going to cause the most problem because if people are rushing lock, you know, left and right, then he's not going to have the opportunity to get a lot of yardage going and he may find himself being forced to make, you know, kind of quick handoff run plays more often. Yo, look, let's look at the Indianapolis Colts here. Philip Rivers, who's a gunslinger. Now, don't get me wrong. 2019, the Colts were the third worst team in terms of passing. But we know why. Luck, like we said, quit in the uh, preseason games. Brissett came in. I'm not going to criticise Brissett because he did the best that he could. But they weren't geared up for the passing. They had to, you know, shake the playbook down. And the passing game was affected by that. You've got Philip Rivers in, who's one of the biggest gunslingers in the National Football League, even at his advanced stage now. I mean, you look through that team. T.Y. Hilton is almost a kind of forgotten man in terms of like wide receiver conversations. He's capable of huge games and yeah, he's inconsistent, but 
he is capable of, you know, a 150-yard game several times each season. They've drafted Michael Pittman very early in the second round. He's a big six foot four. He's going to be an effective end zone target. You've got Paris Campbell, who was effective last year. You've got depth as well in Pascal, in Desmond Patman. There's players in there. Then you look at the tight end position, Jack Doyle, who, again, can be a game changer. He's not elite. No one's saying that he's elite, but he's a good pass catcher. And there's Trey Burton in there who's backing him up. And what the Colts have that the Denver Broncos don't have, they've got an offensive line. Anthony Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Mark Lewinsky, perhaps one of the best O-lines in the league. I mean, Quentin Nelson has been a phenom. He's probably going to be one of the generation's best guards. You've got a good line in front of Rivers. And that's something that he didn't often have back at the Chargers. Now, again, like the Broncos, they're a team that probably won't be chasing games too much, which could be one thing that slightly goes against them because their D is looking pretty tasty. But if I'm going to pick out a weakness in their D, it's that I think their secondary, like I said earlier, is a little bit shaky. I think they've picked up like Xavier Rhodes, who just isn't NFL quality any longer. Rocky Arsene, he's not elite. They're relying on their front seven. And if their front seven performs, then they're going to be laughing all the way to the playoffs. But if, you know, teams start to air the ball out, their secondary is perhaps there for the picking off. But look, um, I think that Phil Rivers is going to be throwing the ball to everyone. His running backs, you know, Mac, you still got Nathan Hines there, you still got Jordan Wilkins there. They picked up JT in the draft. But I mean, these are running backs who can and like to catch the ball. I mean, everyone is going to be running around saying that they're open. Philip Rivers just has to pick his passes, and we know he can do that. So I think the Colts are going to be getting yards this year. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, because I think as well, Melvin Gordon, when he played for the Chargers, he got a lot of air yards receiving the ball from Philip Rivers. So he does like to use his running backs in that way. Rivers was going to be my pick until I changed my mind last minute. My hesitation around him was... A, that the Chargers were playing a lot from behind last season, and that is what gave him his massive yardage last season. I'm not so sure the Colts will be. But I think on top of that, he lost the Chargers a lot of games last season by trying to do it all himself. And there's a part of me that maybe thinks that'll be in the back of his mind, or the coaching staff of the Colts are going to say, look, you've got a better team to support you here. You don't need to do it all. And as a result, he'll be looking for the, maybe those shorter passes or to get the running play involved more. So I don't think he'll have as much yardage as he had last season. I just disagree with that because I think that the type of player that Phil Rivers is, he's a gunslinger like Brett Favre was. But he has to stop it. He gave away no. so many interceptions last season. He gave away a lot of interceptions. But that's because he was forcing it with a line who weren't protecting him very well. He's got the luxury of additional time now. He's got so many targets to pick from. This is probably the best line that he's going to play behind in his whole career. Phil Rivers is going to have so much fun this year. He's, he's going to love every minute of it. There's just so many targets there. And you're basing your case on Drew Locke, who he's got to progress a lot to be as effective as you're making out that he's going to be. Yeah, he's got the weapons there, but he's not got a great line and he's got to progress. And when you've got quarterbacks who've got to make a step forward, you need a good line in front of him. That's the risk with my pick. That's why I think it's a little bit hot takey, but I, I'm not convinced with Rivers either. That's why I changed my mind last minute. Okay, well, we're both going to look stupid when it's just going to be Patrick Mahomes who gets the most yards by a long way. But... Oh, boring. <laughs> Don't let it happen. But we can't say Patrick Mahomes. I think that the running back situation might take a few yards from him there. And teams are probably going to be, you know, trying to shut down a pass game a bit more. 
So let's see. But look, I'm going Phil Rivers. Let's see who comes out on top between Phil Rivers and Drew Locke by the end of the year. Cool. All right. So next award, Joe, what are we going for? Wide receiver with the most yards. Wide receiver? Oh, boo. I thought we were going with player with most receiving yards. <laughs> if you think a running back is going to have the most receiving yards or a tight end, then be, be my guest. Uh, I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm saying Kelsey. I mean, uh, I'll be honest. I've just seen now that he got the most receiving yards in the conference last season. I didn't know that he was top of the list, but I just know how important he is to that Chiefs team. And he's just a guy that makes it happen. If you don't know where to go, throw it to Kelsey. He'll he'll catch it and he'll make yards. I think when I was looking at other teams in terms of receiving new quarterbacks or new rookie wide receivers coming in to potentially take up some of those snaps. I think Kelsey is still playing with Mahomes. He is still integral to that team and no one's really coming in to take up snaps from him. I expect him to probably be up there again. Well, I'm going to say why I disagree with your argument. So, mouse to feed, Chaz. Last season, you had Hill out for quite a few games. So Hill is coming back and Hill is taking those targets off Kelsey. You've also got a breakout of Nicole Hardman. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like I say, the running game, I think is going to be a bigger part of Kansas City's game going forward. There was a perfect storm last year that made Kelsey the main receiver in Kansas City. And it's not going to repeat itself this year. You've got Hill back. So you put Hill back in the scene. Hill was taking those targets. If Hill was there last year, Kelsey wouldn't have got the ball thrown to him as much as what he did. Like, I mean, he had a ridiculous 136 targets. Give at least, at least 50, 60 of those targets back to Hill now. Yeah, do you know what? I completely forgot that Hill was out for a large part of the beginning of the season. He probably will eat into that share. He's not going to end up with over 1,300 yards this year. I think a more realistic kind of view is probably just going over 1,000. He might get 100 targets. But I think that's about the ceiling. You've won me round on that. So I'm going uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown? <laughs> I did not see that coming. Yeah, and listen why. Because teams are going to be set up when they play the Titans to mitigate Derrick Henry. And they're going to be loading that box up. And I think that if you're the offensive coordinator of the Titans, you're going to go play action. And you're going to go play action to AJ Brown. AJ Brown was shown big gains. He only started... 11 games last year, but still ended up with over a 1,000 yards. You know, by that kind of rate, had he started 16, you could say that he'd be up to, you know, 1,500, 1,600 yards. The Titans are going to have to pass the ball more than they did. AJ Brown last season, yards per reception, 20.2. I think there was only one player in the league who had more, and that was Mike Williams with 20.4. I mean, this is a guy who makes things happen. And I think that, with defences just looking at Henry, he could really, really be effective. I mean, that's a really compelling argument. You're asking a lot, though. You're asking for a complete switch in how the Titans play for that to come off. No, I'm not necessarily asking for a complete switch because I think they, they will still be a run first game, but they'll be coming out for play action a lot more now. So you think even though they'll be run first, you still think AJ Brown's going to get the most receiving yards in this conference? They are going to be a run first team still because you've got Derek Henry. But they're going to find that teams are going to load the box even more than what they did. I know that Henry saw a lot of eight defenders in the box last year and he saw those looks quite a bit. I think teams are going to do that even more. The priority for teams facing the Titans will be stop Henry 
because teams will think that Tannehill will regress. He's not going to be as effective as he was last season. He'll go back to the Tannehill we know and love from his Dolphins days and he'll start throwing some interceptions out of there. I think that AJ Brown is a do-it-all player. He's fast, he can get separation, he runs great routes, and he does so much after the catch. We could see 1,400 yards plus from AJ Brown. I know we're talking about the AFC this week and not the NFC, but if we look at the Vikings, run first team, did Thielen see a massive increase in targets when they started loading the box against Cook? Thielen was injured for half of the season last year. Diggs then? Well, well, right. So to put this into perspective again, what happens when you load the box, the only other player above AJ Brown to have less than 100 targets and more than 1,000 yards was Stefan Diggs. And Stefan Diggs ended up with 1,130 yards with 10 more targets than AJ Brown. And he had 17.9 yards per run. When teams load up the box, it makes stuff a lot more easier downfield. And that's not because players are deep threats and to put them in that box. It's because when there's eight defenders in the box, you can do so much more down the field. You just need to get those targets. But that's what I suppose I'm not convinced of. I'm not convinced that he's going to see a dramatic increase in targets just because people are going to be loading the box against Henry. I think he will because Henry, I think, to a lot of people is going to be a disappointment this year because there's no way he can replicate the kind of stretches they had. And Henry doesn't do this right. You look at the last three years, he doesn't have constantly big plays all through the season. You go back two years ago and he had a massive run down the back end of the season where he played four games and had like massive games for four games. But the 12 games prior to that, he wasn't doing much at all. Derek Henry will not start the season making, you know, 150 yard games. He just won't. But teams will stack the box against him. And AJ Brown will get targets. And with AJ Brown only facing a cornerback and a safety at best, he's going to have a big year. You're going to have to increase the targets because, because you won't get Henry running the games like he did last year. Okay, I think that's a big prediction. There's a lot of logic behind what you're saying. I think a few people will be shocked if AJ Brown is the top receiver in this conference. But it'll be interesting to see if it pans out. The receivers in the AFC... It's almost crazy when you look at how, I'm not going to say underachieving they are, but you look at the top 20 wide receivers in terms of yards from last year. And I'm looking through this. You have Kelsey at four, who's not a wide receiver, who's a tight end. Well, this is what I mean. I don't disagree with you because I picked a tight end to be my number one receiving yards because you're absolutely right. The gap. You've got Keenan Allen at six. You've got Jarvis Landry at 10. Which surprised me, by the way. And then Darren Waller at 15. So I think that what? I think that 12 of the top 15 wide receivers in terms of yards last year were in the NFC, which is massively weighted. It. It's huge. It feels crazy to be that weighted. I mean, you've got two more. So I think maybe five of the top 20, with most of them skewed to the bottom half of that table, were in the AFC. 15 of the top 20 were in the NFC. I'm just looking, I'm just looking through the list now, and that surprises me. But I mean, this is what you're up against. I mean, AJ Brown was 24th. So it's not like he's got a jump in front of a lot of people there. Yeah, I like it. Good take. And and of his lists, like I said, I made the argument that Kelsey will not have what he had last year. Keenan Allen, I think everyone is in agreement here that with him not getting passes from Philip Rivers, he's going to see a decline there. Yeah. Jarvis Landry at the Browns, they're now going to the 22 and 12 personnel sets with two tight ends. Uh, we're looking to be run first now at Cleveland. So you would feel that his production will go down because you've got ODB across from him as well. 
and then you go down and then you know the next guys on the list Darren Waller another tight end Julian Edelman he's not catching passes from his best bud Tom Brady anymore and then we get to Cortland Sutton but then Cortland Sutton's in a wide receiving corpse like we just said but has a lot more mouths to feed well that's the issue I mean I was going through this list and was thinking the exact same thing that's why I plumped for Kelsey so from air yards to ground yards who do we think is going to be the biggest rusher Chubb correct well you well you think Chubb as well yeah absolutely yeah um I think for a lot of the reasons that you just discussed there now that Stefanski's come in as well there's going to be a lot of pressure on Mayfield to not get caught with the ball like he did so many times last season Chubb is a fantastic rusher the Browns have worked on that O-line to create those gaps for Chubb I think it's Chubb's for the taking yeah, I really don't like it when we agree on things, Charles, because I like arguing with you. But you look at last year and people are making out that Henry was, you know, by far and away the biggest rusher in the league. But he only finished up with about 50 yards on the ground more than Chubb did. And if I'm going to say one thing about Chubb is that Kareem Hunt is back in the picture. But I see Kareem Hunt being more as a third down back playing in a passing game. I think that Nick Chubb is definitely getting first and second down work. I think that they're going a lot more run first. They'll be looking to write up a lot more plays for him. It just seems obvious. It just seems that everything is aligning there for Nick Chubb to have an absolutely huge year. Yeah, agreed. Well, that was a quick one. (laughs) Yeah, but I just want to say as well, though, I think that Joe Mixon will have a very productive year. That's what I like to hear, Joe. Keep telling me about this. Well, I think you'll have a productive year, but I think it will be from little dink-off passes as well. From um, I'll take those. They all count towards fantasy. Yeah, but uh, I think that he'll be a safety valve. And I think that when you're bringing in a quarterback who's a rookie who will be starting week one with no doubt, you need that safety valve. And so I think that Joe Mixon will get a lot of balls thrown his way. And he'll get a lot of touches just in pure running. I'm going to make a, a kind of hot take, quick brutal here, that in terms of combined yards... Joe Mixon will have the most combined yards in the league this year. I would love to see that happen, obviously. Mixon's in my fantasy team. The issue that I've had with Mixon over the last couple of seasons, well, it's not with him, it's with the coaching staff, I assume. It's that Mixon can catch the ball. He's proven it every time that you give him the opportunity. But for some mental reason, the Bengals don't use Mixon in the passing game, like at all. It's kind of always because they're playing from so far behind because they're often losing games so much. They just have to air it out and air it out big. But he's definitely a player who's capable of, you know, getting six, 700 yards in a passing game, added on with just over 1,000 yards on the ground. If he stays fit and starts all 16 games, I think we could see him, you know, banging on the door of 2,000 yards combined. Love it. Right, so we're moving on to defense now. We've talked about a couple of offensive players. Shall we start with most sacks? Most sacks, I'm going to go... I've talked about him a fair bit tonight. I'm going Colts again. Ah, okay. So we are going to disagree. This is good. Yeah, right. The Colts, I think because you look at the teams that they're playing in their division, you're playing the Broncos, who have already highlighted, have very shaky tackles and will be giving up a lot of sacks, without a doubt. They're playing the Texans who have had a terrible O-line who can't seem to do anything to protect Watson at all. And then you've got Jags as well who are shaky with their O-line at best. So playing these teams twice a year, the Colts are going to have so much fun divisionally in just 
sacking these teams. That's a really good point. You're, you're absolutely right. When you think about who they're going to have to play more than once, <laughs> they're going to have a, a lot of fun. When you look at the players who are in the Colts, and like I said, you've brought in, you know, DeForest Buckner now. You've got Justin Houston in there. You've got, you know, at linebacker, Darius Leonard, Al Qadim Mohammed. There are a lot of good players you can get to the quarterback who are just going to be getting through those lines. I can't see past the Colts. Like, I just think the Colts are going to get so many sacks. So many sacks for sure. Right, I'm going to do my best little John impression now with a what? But which what? <laughs> which what, Joe? You're going to go Steelers. I am. I really, really toyed about that. Here's the deal, right? I just think the Watt brothers are incredible. Uh, and I think they're absolute units that know how to get to the quarterback I toyed between JJ and TJ but I think I'm really high on the Steelers defense this year I think they've really taken a step forward and I think they're going to be aggressive and so I've gone for TJ but I think JJ is going to get his fair share of sacks as well but you see what I've done there is I've based that purely on the player ability I think you make a really compelling case in terms of the teams that they're going to face the one thing that TJ is going to have to come up against is some teams that actually do have some fairly good O-lines so whether he will have the same level of success that he found last season or not I'm not entirely sure but um, I back the ability I just don't think you're going to get as many sacks against players like Baker Mayfield I'm thinking wrong Baker Mayfield was a walking sack last year because he was holding on to the ball for way too long yeah he was yeah his line wasn't great, and it's partially due to his line, but the biggest problem there was he was holding on for way too long. He should have either got the ball away or looked for faster passes, and he just wasn't doing that. And, and, and that's probably the biggest problem that Baker Mayfield has had, is he holds on for too long and thinks about things for too long. And if he straightened that out, he'd be a passable quarterback, but he just can't seem to get that kind of mental part of his game going. He won't be holding on to the ball for as long because they'll be getting the ball out of his hands in this Stefanski offence. So there just won't be as many opportunities against him. I think, you know, again, with the Ravens, they've lost Yander, but their line is still one of the better lines. And Bengals, yeah. Bengals have brought in some help for Joe Burrow, but if there's one team who they might have happy hunting against, it'll be the uh, Bengals. But no, I just don't think that the Steelers will have as many opportunities that a team like the Colts will have. Yeah, it's a fair call. I wasn't overly considering the teams that they were playing against, so that might be the case. Most interceptions. I can only assume we've gone for the same player here, unless, again, you're trying to swerve the obvious choice. But Well, I was going for team. Oh, okay. Uh, I was looking at player. I was thinking Tredavious White. Uh, uh, screw it. Yeah, Bills. Why not? <laughs> If they're going against the Dolphins, if they're going against the Jets, if Cam has some growing pains coming into a new team, they're going to see a lot of opportunities to, to get interceptions there. Using your argument for the last question, I just think there's lots of opportunities to get steals there. And Tredavious White is phenomenally known for his ability to get quite a few. So, yeah, that's where I'll go. Well, I'm going same division as you, but I'm going Patriots. You think they still got it? They've lost so many players in their defence. They've lost so many players, but they haven't lost Stephon Gilmore. They haven't lost Devin McCourty. They haven't lost Jason McCourty. They haven't lost those veteran Bullhawks who were in the team last year. They ended up with 25 interceptions 
team that was closest to them was the Steelers with 20, and then no other team got more than 17. Yeah, they might lose a couple, but if they're 80% of a team that they were last year in terms of their interceptions, they would have still have led the league. So, you know, the Patriots still have to play the Dolphins twice. They still have to play the Jets twice. Oh, they're going to see plenty of opportunities. There's going to be plenty of opportunities there. And we've already mentioned Josh Allen is not particularly accurate. Exactly. So that's six games there where the quarterbacks are known for giving up some interceptions. So even if they're perhaps not going to be the most effective team on the offense without Brady in the system anymore, and I'm not saying that they won't be, but they might not be. And even though they've lost some players uh, from their linebacking corps, I think they're still going to have a lot of interceptions in 2020. Yeah, I mean, we're circling like vultures around that division, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, like vultures. And Stefan Gilmore and the McCoy twins are going to be like vultures just picking a ball off there. So, um, like I said, this week, it's been a bit unfortunate that I seem to agree with you on a few things. I feel quite dirty. We nearly agreed on Philip Rivers. I mean, it was... Yeah. Honestly, I just thought, we can't both say Philip, and I went a little hot takey, but I mean, we are almost 50% in agreement there. I don't like it. You've gone to Cornwall and you come back thinking like me. It's not good at all. <laughs> Need to go and have a shower now because I just feel dirty agreeing with you on so much. But look, NFC next week, hopefully we'll disagree on a lot more. I think, to be honest, from the kind of topics we're talking about here, there's a lot more kind of variation in the teams in the National Football Conference. And as well as that, Joe, we're bringing it back to our home teams. There's no way we're not going to disagree when we're talking about that conference. Agreed. Because I'm going to say this to you right now. A little preview for the hot takes next week. Green Bay Packers aren't winning the NFC North, mate. Behave yourself. And on that note, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you all next week. (laughs) See you next week.